Hello everyone. Today we're going to read this 11th chapter of The Lightning Thief. So the name is We visit the the Garden Gnome Emporium. Okay? So let's just start it. I'm too excited to read this chapter. Okay. In a way, it's nice to know there are Greek gods out there because you have somebody to play when things go wrong. For instance, when you're walking away from a bus that's just been attacked by monster hags and blown up by lightning and it's raining on top of everything else, most people might think that it's just really bad luck. When you're a half-blood, you understand that the divine force really is trying to mess up your day. So, there we were. Annabeth and Grover and I, walking through the woods on the New Jersey riverbank, the glow of New York City making the night sky yellow behind us, and the smell of the Hudson reeking in our noses. Grover was shivering and brain, his big goat eyes turned split pupil and, uh, and full of terror. Three kindly ones, all at once! I was pretty much in shock myself. The explosion of bus windows still rang in my ears, but Annabeth kept us pulling along, saying, Come on, the further we get, the better. All our money was back there, I reminded her. Our food and clothes and everything. Well, maybe if you hadn't decided to jump into the fight, what did you want me to do, let you get killed? You didn't need to protect me, Percy. I would have been fine. Sliced like a sandwich bread, Grover put in, but fine. Shut up, good boy, said Annabeth. Grover brayed mournfully. Tin cans, a perfectly good bag of tin cans. We sloshed across the mushy ground through nasty twisted trees that smelled like sour laundry. After a few minutes, Annabeth fell into the line next to me. Look, I, her voice faltered. I appreciate you. You're coming back for us, okay? That was really brave. We're a team, right? She was silent for a few more steps. It's just that if you died, aside from the fact that it would be, it would really suck for you, it would mean the quest was over. This may be my only chance to see the real world. The thunderstorm had finally let up. The city glow faded behind us, leaving us in almost total darkness. I couldn't see anything of Annabeth except a glint of her blonde hair. You haven't left Camp Half-Blood since you were seven? I asked her. No. Only short field trips. My dad, the history professor. Yeah, it didn't work out for me living at home. I mean, Camp Half-Blood is my home. She was rushing her words out now as if she were afraid somebody might try to stop her. At camp, you train and train, and that's all cool and everything, but the real world is where the monsters are. That's where you learn whether you're any good or not. If I didn't know better, I would have sworn she heard doubt in her voice. You're pretty good with that knife, I said. You think so? Anybody who can piggyback ride a fury is okay by me. I couldn't really see, but I thought she might have smiled. You know, she said, maybe I should tell you something funny back on the bus. Whatever she wanted to say was interrupted by a shrill toot-toot-toot like the sound of an owl being tortured. Hey, my reed pipes still work, Grover cried. If I could just remember a fine path song, we could get out of these woods. 
He puffed a few notes, but the tune still sounded suspiciously like Hilary Duff. Instead of finding a path, I immediately slammed it to a tree and got nice-sized knot in my head. Add to the list of superpowers I did not have, infrared vision. After tripping and cursing and generally feeling miserable for another mile or so, I started to see light up ahead, the colors of a neon sign. I could smell food, fried, greasy, excellent food. I realized I hadn't eaten anything unhealthy since I'd arrived at Half-Blood Hill, where we lived on grapes, bread, cheese, and extra lean-cut nymph-prepared barbecue. This boy needed a double cheeseburger. We kept walking until I saw a deserted two-lane road through the trees. On the side was a closed-down gas station, a tattered billboard for a 1990s movie, and one open business, which was the source of the neon light and the good smell. It wasn't a fast-food restaurant like I'd hoped. It was one of those weird roadside curio shops that sell lawn flamingos and wooden Indians and cement grizzly bears and stuff like that. The main building was a long, low warehouse surrounded by acres of statuary. The neon sign above the gate was impossible for me to read because if there's anything works worse for my dyslexia than regular English, it, it's red cursive neon English. To me, it looked like uh, okay, so here's something written which is um, not exactly legible, but still I'll try to read as much as I can read. It's something like uh, <clears throat> at NYU mess G D R N Gomen Mepro Iam. It's just because of Percy's dyslexia. He couldn't read it properly. properly. So, we just continue. What the heck does that mean? I asked. I don't know, Annabeth said. She loved reading so much, I'd forgotten she was dyslexic too. Grover translated. Auntie M's Garden Gnome Emporium. Flanking the entrance as advertised were two cement garden gnomes, ugly bearded little runs, smiling and waving as if they were about to get the picture taken. I crossed the street following the smell of hamburgers. Hey, Grover warned. The lights are on inside, Annabeth said. Maybe it's open. Snack bar, I said wistfully. Snack bar, she agreed. Are you too crazy? Grover said, this place is weird. We ignored him. The front garden was a forest of statues. Cement animals, cement children, even a cement satyr playing the pipes, which gave Grover the creeps. Bleh! He bleated. Looks like my Uncle Ferdinand. We stopped at the warehouse door. Don't knock, Grover pleaded. I smell monsters. Your nose is clogged up from the furies, Annabeth told him. All I smell is burgers. Aren't you hungry? Meat! He said scornfully, I'm a vegetarian. You eat cheese and clatoes in aluminium cans, I reminded him. Those are vegetables. Uh, okay. Come on, let's uh, leave. These statues are looking at me. 
Then the door creaked open and standing in front of us was a tall Middle Eastern woman. At least I assumed she was Middle Eastern because she wore a long black gown that covered everything but her hands and her head was completely veiled. Her eyes glinted behind a curtain of black gaze but that was all about I could make out. Her coffee-colored hands looked old but well manicured and elegant so I imagined she was a grandmother who had once been a beautiful lady. Her accent sounded vaguely Middle Eastern too. She said, Children, it is too late to be out all alone. Where are your parents? There, um, Annabeth started to say, We are orphans. I said, Orphans? The woman said the word sounded alien in her mouth. But my dears, surely not. We got separated from a caravan, I said, a circus caravan. The ringmaster told us to meet him at the gas station if he got lost, but he may have forgotten, or maybe he meant a different gas station. Anyway, we're lost. Is that food I smell? Oh, my dears, the woman said, you must come in, poor children. I'm Auntie M. Go straight to the back of the warehouse, please. There is a dining area. We thanked her and went inside. Annabeth muttered to me. Circus caravan? Always have a strategy, right? Your head is full of kelp, she said. <laughs> the warehouse was filled with more statues. People in all different poses, wearing all different outfits and with different expressions on their faces. I was thinking you'd have to be pretty huge garden to fit even more of these statues, but they were all life-size. But mostly, I was thinking just about food. Go ahead, call me an idiot for walking straight into a strange lady's shop just like that because I was hungry, but I do impulsive stuff, stuff sometimes. Plus, you've never smelled Auntie M's burgers. The aroma was like laughing gas in the dentist's chair. It made everything else go away. I barely noticed Grover's nervous whimpers or the way the statue's eyes seemed to follow me or the fact that Auntie M had locked the door behind us. All I cared about was finding the dining area. And sure enough, there it was at the back of the warehouse, a fast food counter with a grill, a soda fountain, a pretzel heater, and a natural cheese dispenser. Everything you could want, plus a few steel picnic tables out front. Please sit down, Auntie M said. Awesome, I said. Um, Grover said reluctantly, we don't have any money, ma'am. Before I could jab him in the ribs, Auntie M said, no, no, children, no money. This is a special case, yes? It is my treat for such nice orphans. Thank you, ma'am, Annabeth said. Auntie M stiffened as if Annabeth had just done something wrong, but then the old woman relaxed just as quickly, so I, must fig so I figured it must have been my imagination. Quite all right, Annabeth, she said. You have such beautiful gray eyes, child. Only later did I wonder how she knew Annabeth's name, even though we had never introduced ourselves. Our hostess disappeared behind the snack counter and started cooking. Before we knew it, she had brought us plastic trays heaped with double cheeseburgers, vanilla shakes, and XXL servings of french fries. I was halfway through my burger before I remembered to breathe. Annabeth slurped her shake. Grover picked up the fries and eyed the tray's waxed paper liner as if it might go for that, but he still looked too nervous to eat. What's that hissing noise? He asked. I listened, but I didn't hear anything. Annabeth shook her head. Hissing? 
Auntie M asked. Perhaps you hear the deep fryer oil. You have keen ears, Grover. I take vitamins for my ears. That's admirable, she said. But please, relax. Auntie M ate nothing. She hadn't taken off her headdress even to cook, and now she sat forward and interlaced her fingers and watched us eat. It was a little unsettling, having someone stare at me when I couldn't see her face, but I was feeling satisfied after the burger and a little sleepy and figured the least I could do was try to make small talk with our hostess. So you sell gnomes, I said, trying to sound interested. Oh yes, Auntie M said, and animals and people, anything for the garden, custom orders, statuary is very popular, you know. A lot of business on this road? No, not so much now. Since the highway was built, most cars did not go this way now. I must cherish every customer I get. My neck, my neck tingled as if somebody else was looking at me. I turned but it was just a statue of a young girl holding an Easter basket. The detail was incredible. Much better than you see in most garden statues, but it but something was wrong with her face. It looked as she was startled or even terrified. Ah, oh, Auntie M said. You notice some of my creations do not turn out so well. They are marred. They do not sell. The face is the hardest to get right. Always the face. You make these statues yourself? I asked. Oh, yes. Once upon a time, I had two sisters to help me in the business, but they have passed on and Auntie M is alone. And I have only my statues. That is why I make them, you see. They are my company. The sadness in her voice sounded so deep and so real that I couldn't help but feeling sorry for her. Annabeth had stopped eating. She sat forward and said, Two sisters. It's a terrible story, Auntie M said. Not one for children, really. You see, Annabeth, a bad woman was jealous of me long ago when I was young. I had a, a boyfriend. You know, and this bad woman was determined to break us apart. She caused a terrible accident. My sisters stayed by me to share the bad fortune as long as they could, but eventually they passed on. They faded away. I alone have survived, but at a price, such a price. I wasn't sure what she meant, but I felt bad for her. My eyelids kept getting heavier, my full stomach making me sleepy. Poor old lady. Who would want to hold somebody so nice? Percy and Annabeth were shaking me to get my attention. Maybe we should go. I mean, the ringmaster will be waiting. She t sounded tense. I wasn't sure why. Grover was eating the waxed paper of the tray now. But if Auntie M found that strange, she didn't say anything. Such beautiful gray eyes, Auntie M told Annabeth again. My, yes, it has been a long time since I've seen gray eyes like those. She reached out as if to stroke Annabeth's cheek, but Annabeth stood up abruptly. We really should go. Yes, Grover swallowed his waxed paper and stood up. The ringmaster is waiting, right? I didn't want to leave. I felt full and content. Auntie M was so nice. I wanted to stay with her a while. Please, dearest Auntie M pleaded. I so rarely get to be with children. Before you go, won't you at least sit for a pose? A pose? Annabeth asked warily. A photograph. I will use it to model a new statue set. Children are so popular, you see. Everyone loves children. Annabeth shifted her weight from foot to foot. 
I don't think we can, ma'am. Come on, Percy. Sure we can, I said. I was irritated with Annabeth for being so bossy, so rude to an old lady who had just fed us for free. It's just a photo, Annabeth. What's the harm? Yes, Annabeth. The woman purred. No harm. I could tell Annabeth didn't like it, but she allowed Auntie M to lead us back to out the front door into the garden of statues. Auntie M directed us to a park bench next to the stone satyr. Now, she said, I'll just position you correctly. The young girl in the middle, I think, and the two young gentlemen on the either side. Not much light for a photo, I remarked. Oh, enough, Auntie M said. Enough for us to see each other, yes? Where's your camera? Grover asked. Auntie M stepped back as if to admire the shot. Now, the face is the most difficult. Can you smile for me, please, everyone? A large smile. Grover glanced at the cement satyr next to him and mumbled, That sure does look like Aunt Uncle Ferdinand. Grover, Auntie M. Chessius. Look this way, dear. She still had no camera in her hands. Percy, Annabeth said. Some instinct warned me to listen to Annabeth, but I was fighting the sleepy feeling, the comfortable lull that came from the fool and the old lady's voice. I will be just a moment, Auntie M said. You know, I can't see you very well in this cursed veil. Percy, something's wrong, Annabeth insisted. Wrong, Auntie M said, reaching up to undo the wrap around her head. Not at all, dear. I have such noble company tonight. What could be wrong? That is Uncle Ferdinand, Grover gasped. Look away from her, Annabeth shouted. She whipped her Yankee's cap on her head and vanished. Her invisible hands pushed Grover and me both off the bench. I was on the ground looking at Aunt Em's sandal feet. I could hear Grover scrambling off in one direction, Annabeth in another. But I was too dazed to move. Then I heard a strange, rasping sound above me. My eyes rose to meet Auntie M's hands, which had turned into gnarled and warty with sharp bronze talons for fingernails. I almost looked higher, but somewhere off to my left, Annabeth screamed, No! Don't! More rasping, the sound of tiny snakes right above me from, from where Auntie M's head should be. Run! Grover bleated. I heard him running, racing across the gravel, yelling Maya to kickstart his flying sneakers. I couldn't move. I stared at Auntie M's gnarled claws and tried to fight the groggy trance of the old woman had put in me. Such a pity to destroy a handsome young face, she told me soothingly. Stay with me, Percy. All you have to do is look up. I fought the urge to obey. Instead, I looked to one side and saw one of those glass spheres people put in gardens, a gazing ball. I could see Auntie M's dark reflection in the orange glass. Her headdress was gone, revealing her face as a shimmering pale circle. Her hair was moving, writhing like serpents. Auntie M. Auntie M. How could I have been so stupid? Think, I told myself, how did Medusa die in the myth? But I couldn't think. 
something told me that in the myth Medusa had been asleep when she was attacked by my namesake Perseus. She wasn't anywhere near asleep now. If she wanted, she could take those talons right off and rake open my face. The grey-eyed one did this to me, Percy. Medusa said, and she didn't sound anything like a monster. Her voice invited me to look up, to sympathize with the poor old grandmother. Annabeth's mother, the cursed Athena, turned me from a beautiful woman to this. Don't listen to her, Annabeth shouted somewhere in the statuary. Run, Percy! Silence, Medusa snarled, then her voice modulated back to a comforting purr. You see why I must destroy the girl, Percy? She is my enemy's daughter. I shall crush her statue to dust. But you, my dear, you need not suffer. No, I muttered. I tried to make my legs move. Do you really want to help the gods? Medusa asked. Do you understand what awaits you on this foolish quest, Percy? What will happen if you reach the underworld? Do not be a pawn of the Olympians, my dear. You would be better off as a statue. Less pain. Less pain. Percy! Behind me, I heard a buzzing sound like a 90-kilogram hummingbird in the nosedive. Grover yelled, Duck! I turned and there he was in the night sky, flying in from 12 o'clock with his winged shoes fluttering, Grover holding a tree branch the size of a baseball bat. His eyes were shut tight, his head twitched from side to side. He was navigating my ears and nose along. Duck! He yelled again, I'll get her! That finally jolted me into action. Knowing Grover, I was sure he'd miss Medusa and nailed me. Oh my god. <laughs> I dove to one side. Thwah! At first, I figured it was the sound of Grover hitting a tree. <laughs> then Medusa roared with rage. You miserable satyr! She snarled, I'll add you to my collection. That was for Uncle Ferdinand. Grover yelled back. I scrambled away and hit the statuary while Grover swooped down for another pass. Get rock! Oh my god, this. Medusa yelled, her snake hair hissing and spitting. Right next to me, Annabeth's voice said, Pussy! I jumped so hard, my feet nearly cleared a garden. Jeez, don't do that, Annabeth! She took off her Yankee's cap and became visible. You have to cut her head off. What? Are you crazy? Let's get out of here. Medusa is a madness. She's evil. I'd kill her myself, but... Annabeth swallowed as if she were about to make a difficult confession. But you have got the better weapon. Besides, I'd never get close to her. She'd slice me to bits because of my mother. You've, you've got a chance. What? I can't. Look, do you want to turn any more innocent people into statues? She pointed to a pair of statue lovers. A man and a woman with their arms around each other turned to stone by the monster. Annabeth grabbed a green gazing ball from a nearby pedestal. A polished shield would be better. She studied the sphere critically. The convexity will cause some distortion. The reflection size should be off by a factor of... Would you speak English? I am. She tossed me the glass ball. Just look her in the glass. Never look at her directly. Hey, guys. Grover yelled somewhere above us. I think she's unconscious. Roar. 
Maybe not, Grover corrected. He went in for another pass with a tree branch. Hurry, Annabeth told me. Grover's got a great nose, but he'll eventually crash. I took out my pen and uncapped it, the bronze blade of riptide elongated in my hand. I followed the hissing and spitting sounds of Medusa's hair. I kept my eyes on the gazing ball so I could only glimpse Medusa's reflection, not the real thing. That in the green-tinted glass, I saw her. Grover was coming in for another turn at bat, but this time he flew in a little too slow. Medusa grabbed the stick and pulled him off course. He tumbled off the air and crashed into the arms of a stone grizzly bear with a painful umph. Medusa was about to lunge at him again when I yelled, Hey! I advanced on her, which wasn't easy. Holding a sword and a glass ball, if she charged, I'd have a hard time defending myself. But she let me approach. Ten meters. Five meters. I could see the reflection of her face now. Surely, it wasn't really that ugly. The green swirls of the gazing ball must be distorting it, making it look worse. You wouldn't harm an old woman, Percy, she crooned. I know you wouldn't. I hesitated, fascinated by the face I saw reflected in the eyes, the, uh, in the glass, the eyes that seemed to burn straight through the green tint, making my arms go weak. From the cement, Grizzly, Grover moaned, Percy, don't listen to her, Medusa cackled. Too late. She lunged at me with her talons. I slashed up with my sword, heard a sickening schluck. Then a hiss like wind rushing out of a cavern, the sound of a monster disintegrating. Something fell off the, to the ground next to my feet. It took all my willpower not to look. I could feel warm ooze soaking into my sock, little dying snake heads tugging at my shoelaces. Oh, yuck, Grover said. His eyes were still tightly closed, but I guess he could hear the thing gurgling and steaming. Mega yuck. Annabeth came up next to me, her eyes fixed on the sky. She was holding Medusa's back wheel. She said, don't move. Very, very carefully without looking down, she knelt and draped the monster's head in black cloth, then picked it up. It was still dripping green juice. Are you okay? She asked me, her voice trembling. Yeah. I decided though I felt like throwing up my double cheeseburger. Why didn't? Why didn't the head evaporate? Once it's severed, it becomes a spoiler war, she said. Same as your monitor horn, but don't unwrap the head. It can still petrify you. Grover moaned as he climbed down the grizzly statue. He had a big welt on his forehead. His green rasta cap hung from one of his goat horns and his fake feet had been knocked off his hooves. The magic sneakers were flying aimlessly around his head. The Red Baron, I said. Good job, man. He managed a bashful grin. That really was not fun, though. Well, the hitting her with a stick part, that was fun, but crashing into a concrete bear, not fun. He snatched his shoes out of the air. I recapped my sword. Together, three of us stumbled back into the warehouse. We found some old plastic grocery bags behind the snack counter and double-wrapped Medusa's head. We we plopped it down the table where we'd eaten dinner and sat around it too exhausted to speak. Finally, I said, So we have Athena to thank for this monster? Annabeth flashed me an irritated look. Your dad actually, don't you remember? Medusa was Poseidon's girlfriend. They decided to meet in my monster's temple. That's why Athena turned her into a monster. Medusa and her two sisters who had helped her get into the temple, they became the three Gorgons. That's why Medusa wanted me to slice up wanted to slice me up. But 
She wanted to preserve you as a nice statue. She is still sweet on your dad. You probably reminded her of him. My face was burning. Oh, so now it's my fault we met Medusa. Annabeth straightened in a bad imitation of my voice. She said, it's just a photo, Annabeth. What's the harm? Forget it. I said, you're impossible. You're insufferable. You're... Hey, Grover interrupted. You two are giving me a migraine and satyrs don't even get migraines. What are we going to do with the head? I stared at the ceiling where little snake was hanging out of a hole in the plastic. How the words printed on the side of the back said, We appreciate your business. I was angry, not just with Annabeth or her mom, but with all the gods for this whole quest, for letting us blow off the road and in two major fights the very first day we were out from camp. At this rate, we'd never make it to LA alive, much less before the summer solstice. What had Medusa said? Don't be a pawn of the Olympians, my dear. You would be better off as a statue. I got up. I'll be back. Percy, Annabeth called after me. What are you? I searched the back of the warehouse until I found Medusa's office. Her account book, uh, her account book showed her six more recent sales, all shipments to the underworld to decorate Hades and Persephone's garden. According to one freight bill, the underworld's billing address was DOA Recording Studios, West Hollywood, California. I folded up the bill and stuffed it in my pocket. In the cash register, I found $20, a few golden drachmas, and some packing slips for Hermes Overnight Express, each with a little leather bag attached for coins. I rummaged around the rest of the office until I found the right-sized box. I went to the picnic table, packed up Medusa's head, and filed out a delivery ship. slip. The Gods, Mount Olympus, 600th floor, Empire State Building, New York, NY, with best wishes, Percy Jackson. They are not going to like that, Grover warned. They'll think you're impertinent. I poured some golden drachmas in the pouch. As soon as I closed it, there was a sound like a cash register. The package floated off the table and disappeared with a pop. I am impertinent, I said. I looked at Annabeth, daring her to criticize. She didn't. She seemed resigned to the fact that I had a major talent for ticking off the gods. Come on, she muttered. We need a new plan. So, and that's that. It's over. We killed another monster and a famous monster, too. Yeah, I love Medusa. I don't think she was that guilty in the whole massacre, you know. Not Percy's massacre in her transformation. It was all Poseidon's sword. Well, you can't just... Ah, what to do? It's a story. We can't do anything about that, can we now? So, it's, let's just meet up with next, thir- next Sunday to meet a cute little pink poodle. Bye-bye.